You are now tuned into Ravens Daily Bread. All right, I have a story for you. I um, was at a men's retreat, and there was a man that had given his testimony, and it was amazing. I had a personal connection with his dad and worked with him. So I can do something about the, the man, and he talked about how God had helped him deliver him from drugs and alcohol and how he was free. Uh, he concluded with, with a rounding rendition of Old Victory in Jesus. And it inspired me. So this song is a result of his testimony. So I hope you like it. This is the uh, deep day version <laughs> of Old Victory in Jesus.
Bring 
So today's sermon is called Surrender Will Result in Victory. That's a weird title, but it's on our 12 lists of, of the 12 laws of recovery. Surrender Will Result in Victory. As you can tell based off of the songs, that's the one thing that both of them had in common, this idea of surrender. So too often, when we're confronted with a difficult situation, we strive to solve it ourselves instead of letting God be God, right? That's classic case. We've all been there. So here's a couple of scenarios. So your company has made some announcements that they're cutting like 100 jobs across the company. And, and this is going to start after they start their employee performance. So what do you do? Situation two. You receive a phone call from a concerned neighbor and a friend, and this friend tells you that they saw your kid riding around with some other kids and they were out getting drunk and causing trouble. What do you do? Situation three. Word around town is that your boyfriend was flirting with the new girl who just moved here from out of state conveniently. What do you do? Now, each of these situations is traumatic if you've been through them, but perhaps some of you have gone through them. Maybe you can relate to it. But what, what, do, what, what, what do we do when these situations come up? So let's start with the first one. If you were about to lose your job, you could suddenly start working loads of, of overtime without pay because you want to impress your boss, or you could suck up to your boss. You could throw people under the bus. There's all kinds of things you could do. If you got a phone call about your teenage son, you could ground your son, you could do an intervention, you could stick him in a 12-step program, you could sit him down, lecture him, give him a bunch of new rules and laws that you've got going on in your house. Last one, what about the girl and the boyfriend? Well, you could have an argument with your boyfriend. You could forbid him to talk to her, whatever it is. You could even, like, throw some deuces at the girl, you know? All kinds of things that you could respond. Now, many of us would choose one of the responses above or we create some other type of unique response that fits the situation. Um, here's the thing though, basically at the root of the problem of all of these scenarios, the root of the problem is control. At the root of all of those scenarios, we find ourselves in an issue of control. We want our lives to be predictable and controlled. And most of us, we don't do well with surprises, especially unpleasant ones. Now, we will do some of the most unbelievable things, too, in order to get control of an uncontrollable situation. We find ourselves doing things that we normally wouldn't even do just because we we're, feel like we're slipping on our control. Because we believe that, that being in control is going to bring us peace. So often in our own efforts to make things better, sometimes we end up making them worse. And so instead of finding peace, 
We find chaos. So how can we have control and peace? How do we get our arms around our chaotic situations and stabilize them? I have an interesting passage of scripture to look at that deals with this dilemma. Now this is going to be a way different way to look at this scripture. Now this is Daniel, and this is chapter 6, verses 10, and then 16 through 24. There's no PowerPoint, but you guys can follow along. There's Bibles in your pews, or you can just listen. So verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his, ups, to, his, to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Verse 16. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment. He couldn't sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Now here's Daniel's response, verse 21. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Last verse. verse. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So Darius is the new king. Daniel is promoted to one of the top overseers of the kingdom. He's on the verge of getting promoted to this top position where the jealousy creeps in. And so they set a trap for him. The schemers, they use, they use the king's vanity and pride to set the trap. The idea is that no one could pray unless you were praying to the king or to his statue. And so we've all read this story. So what does this have to do with control? Because we've never read it in the light to have to do with anything with control or surrender. Well, there's two points that we can take, two points that we can learn about surrendering control in this verse. The first one, be faithful. And the second one, Daniel trusted God. So Daniel knew that the law was in effect, yet it said that he was faithful to God. He still chose to pray anyways. Being faithful when life isn't, when life is easy, isn't a problem. It's being faithful when things aren't going the way that we want them to go. That's when the problem comes in. Being faithful to what God has said to you. So what in your life do you need to be faithful to? So about three or four years, now some of you have heard this, but about three or four years ago, uh, 
I distinctly heard God telling me to eat a plant-based diet. Goes even farther than that. It was very prophetic because God made it really clear and what he said was there were certain foods that would pop up and I would hear that voice telling me those foods are dead. And then other foods, he would show me and he'd say those foods are life. Now, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it, okay? So there was this other time when I opened up the fridge and I was looking for a snack and I heard it. And we went through item by item and I kept hearing every, everything that wasn't plant-based, he would say, those foods are dead. And everything that was plant-based plant in the fridge, he would say, those foods were life. One time, I was eating a hamburger, I just got it from my favorite fast food, and there it was again, <laughs> that voice, death. And I was like, oh. I threw out the hamburger, that time. But the truth of the matter is, all of the other times when I was looking through the fridge or throughout different, different occasions, over the course of three to four years, this wasn't a one or two or three time thing. This was repetitive. This was repetitive. And so I would, God was making it clear to me that he wanted me to eat this type of way because it would bring me life. I was upset by that. First off, I thought it was unfair. Why would you why would you randomly give me a mandate when no one else has this mandate? That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. So I actually on occasions kind of questioned whether I was hearing from God or not. I fought that idea because I love my junk food and I especially love my processed sugar. Love my refined sugar. So I didn't want to hear anything to do with any of that. So I wasn't ready to commit to what he was saying. So for three to four years, I ignored God's voice. I acknowledged what he said, but I wasn't faithful to what he said. You fast forward to now and having liver disease because of the food that I was eating. Now it makes sense. He was trying to prevent me from getting liver disease. That's why certain foods would bring me death and certain foods would bring me life. He was warning me, but I, being me, just had to have it my way. I had to be in control of the situation. So now I'm paying the consequences of, of not being faithful to that. True faithfulness? is doing the right thing even when it's hard. And sometimes surrendering is the correct way to fight. I think about my grandmother because my grandmother, she surrendered to a life of prayer. I was talking about it with Dave earlier and how much of a joy it is when I open up, I've got all of these journals where my grandmother was her prayer requests dating back to the 70s where she would pray for people and then she would write the answers to their prayers. Sometimes it would be years later and I'd go through and I'd see that and, and she was faithful to that and she surrendered to this idea of prayer 
And, and because of that, I'm able to have something to stand on when things get hard and when I don't understand why things are happening. I'm able to see that God does answer prayer. And I'm able to see that God is faithful and that sometimes I just need to surrender to what's happening because that is where my fight truly is. It's in the surrender. Daniel could have went into that lion's den swinging. He could have tried to fight the lions. He could have tried to fight the guards. Could have tried to fight the king. The scripture said he didn't even defend himself against the king's accusation. He just flat out was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to worship God. I'm not doing it. He didn't defend himself. He didn't, he didn't fight. He surrendered. And I thought that that was just an interesting thing. That, his, that instead of him fighting those lions, he just calmly walked in in a state of surrender. So that moves us to our second point. Daniel trusted God. This is verses 22 and verses 23. Here's what it says. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Did you catch that? No wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. Well, oftentimes when we when we, when we struggle to surrender to God, deep down, it's because we're struggling to trust God. With my food, I struggled to trust that what he was saying was true, that those foods would be life and death for me. I struggled to believe that because I couldn't understand the whole situation because I couldn't see the big picture. I couldn't see all the moving parts. I like answers and I didn't have answers. It was just either obey or not obey. So I was struggling with trusting God and trusting what God said and trusting in his word. And I think that's why faith is such a marvelous thing. Like faith is something to truly marvel about because faith is trusting without sight. It takes a lot more faith to be an atheist than to not be an atheist. It takes a lot of faith to believe that there's not a God. That takes humongous faith. Faith is surrendering to God even when we don't know what the outcome will be. Faith is surrendering even when we don't have the answers or when we don't fully even understand something. Faith is just taking exactly what God gave as it is and letting his word stand on itself. God's word doesn't need us to make it better, to make it more effective, to make it stronger, to make it more powerful. His word stands on its own. And so deep down, when we struggle with, with surrendering to God, we're truly struggling with whether or not we trust God. Another example of trusting God is found in Daniel 3. So you guys might remember them. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Interesting thing because right along with Daniel, they refused to worship the king's idol. So they were thrown into this fiery furnace. And here's the thing, before they were thrown into the furnace, they said this, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They trusted in God. Even if God would not save them, they trusted. This was surrendering. This is what surrendering, which leads to victory, looks like. It looks just like that. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Leaning not on our own understanding is remembering in Romans 8, 28, where it says all things work together for the good of those who love and who are called according to his purpose. When I struggle with trusting God, I can remember that. That all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So if I don't have the answers to what I need, but I still want to trust God, I can trust that. I can trust that. He is standing in the midst of that. I'm job hunting. I have to trust that God is going to take care of us. I have to trust that all things are going to work out for our good. I don't understand always why I go through the things that I go through. I would like to just have a normal, calm life without the drama and the chaos and the mishaps and everything that goes wrong could go wrong. I would just like to have a normal life, but it's never been that way for me. So do I trust him or not? Do I trust him when I can't agree with even what he's doing? Because there's a lot of things that I don't agree with where I feel that God is doing things that I don't agree with because I don't understand it. I can't see the big picture. So in my little human brain, I'm like, I don't like this. Can I trust him anyway? Because the truth is, he'll meet us where we're at. Whatever stage of trust or faithfulness we're at, he is there to meet us because he's faithful. So he'll always be there, and that gives me Comfort. That gives me comfort. Surrendering to God brings victory. Surrendering in prayer brings victory. So today I want to ask in closing, where in your life do you need to surrender? If you haven't already, make a donation and share this with a friend.